All right, we are back. We are here today with a guitar player, writer, and musician here in Kansas City, Brock Alexander. How you doing? Doing excellent. Good to see you. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. So, so I think I met you through watching your band. Obviously, the old Number Fives have been a long time, a long time buddy of Derek Tucker from Wichita, and and I knew that you guys were playing together and. Uh, and was definitely, definitely impressed by your playing. And I think I also met you guys for the first time probably at your uh, Freddie T's jam you had yeah, back, yeah. back here a couple years ago. But, Nostalgic uh, at this point. <laughs> yeah, right, right. That was a, that was a, a bit ago now. Um, but uh, definitely I've always been impressed by, obviously you're just, you know, shredding the crap out of your guitar, mm. you know. is always, mm. always fun to watch. Thank you. Thank yeah. You um, words. Yeah, tell, uh, <clears throat> talk to us a little bit about, because uh, I don't really know a whole lot about you. What, how, how'd you kind of get started playing or whatever? Uh, I mean, my mother was uh, a piano player since a very young age and um, grew up wanting to be a concert pianist in school. Mm -hmm. And my dad uh, was the bass player in the band, mm -hmm. much like my grandpa, his dad, uh, was a bass player in a band mm -hmm. and so that's how my parents met and uh, I was born in 85 so since then I my mom was a music teacher elementary music teacher mm -hmm. and I just kind of grew up going to her her classroom which was filled with just random instruments like mm -hmm. basically child kind of toy right. instruments mm -hmm. but Instruments more or less and like bells and recorder all that. Yeah. Kind of yeah, there was all wacky like we rose and such like mm -hmm. percussion instruments uh, We did stuff where we like bounce basketballs and just try to bounce it to the beat You mm -hmm. know, which is an interesting concept because as a, as a kid, you know, I really enjoyed sports as well So it was like oh, this is both that mm -hmm. seems fun. Yeah, yeah, um, but just you know piano was always around my mom taught piano lessons and It was just something that my family kind of had around and did and then as I got older, they, they forced me into piano lessons as a young kid. <laughs> Just, uh, you know, and, and looking back at it now, I, I'm really grateful for it. I only mm -hmm. took like maybe two years, but I still try to relate a lot of stuff on the guitar back to piano and see how well I can mm -hmm. adapt back to that early thing for me. Um, and, and so I took piano and kind of hated it and finally got out of that. Uh, my parents let me skip that and... Uh, but it wasn't far after that that it was time for school band, mm. and I got started early. My parents were like, hey, you're going to have braces, so we're going to make, or not make you, let you play the drums. Mm. I don't know why they let me play the drums, but uh, so I, I was taking, you know, like snare drum lessons in like mm. third or fourth grade, and, and again, so it wasn't necessarily like anything di different for me, but it was just like I was always set up to kind of excel yeah. via music, because that's what my, my mom did, and my parents they were all about it you know and I had an older sister who was kind of doing the same thing uh, we were both in like uh, a choir mm -hmm. Wichita uh, John Levitt uh, mm -hmm. Master Arts Youth Chorale so I sang in that choir from probably like fourth grade to like maybe sixth grade yeah and again at the same time while I was doing it it was kind of fun but it was kind of like I had to do it yeah. I had a bunch of friends that were kind of doing it as well in that choir so that made it fun like a social aspect mm -hmm. yeah. but he's I mean He's probably the reason, not probably, he is the reason that I consider myself a decent singer mm -hmm. to this point is because I was getting, you know, 
A plus vocal training mm-hmm. when I was yeah. seven or eight years old, and I didn't know it at the time, but it's just setting you up for mm-hmm. the future, you know. So as I'm kind of going along in school and life and everything, I think I got to be in like seventh or eighth grade, and I, my parents, you know, I was in percussion at that point mm-hmm. through the school, and then through a select like orchestra, Friends University. I did a thing there that was basically like a wind ensemble. Mm-hmm. So instead of just playing snare drum or like, you know, drum set or something, it was like playing timpani or, um, you know, mallets, marimba, bells, xylophone, uh, all of the above. And so I was doing that and again, like enjoying it, but kind of getting tired of being forced to do it. So, you know, not to have a, a broken record, but I did a lot of different things kind of not because I was forced, but it's just kind of the path that was set up for me, mm-hmm. you know, amongst other things. And by the time I got seventh or eighth grade, in addition to that other stuff that I was already doing through school, I found my mom's acoustic guitar mm-hmm. in the basement closet. And so I was like, oh, I'm just going to put this in my room next to my drum set because it looks cooler. Mm-hmm. And so I did that. And after a while, I kind of was like, well, I better, like I had some buddies who quote unquote played guitar and you know, a couple of them were taking lessons and actually knew what to do. And so I kind of gleaned onto them and I was like, okay, I can, I want to do this too, you know? And mm-hmm. I think after years of thinking that I wanted to be Ringo Starr, mm-hmm. I kind of was like, I, I kind of want to be out front. Like I want to, mm-hmm. I want to sing and maybe play guitar. Like I saw some of my friends do it and not that I was jealous, but it just was a nice like, hey, they're doing it. Like I could do that. And then so well, you want more attention or something? <laughs> no, I just, <laughs> yeah, no, I just, you know, I, I wanted to do that. And, yeah. and even to the point of, uh, that's when I, you know, kind of discovered guitar players when I was eighth grade freshman in high school, which is a weird time for anyone. Right. Mm-hmm. And so as I'm growing up, I'm, I'm like, have all this music background, but what really kind of got me was finally sitting in my bedroom and like trying to learn guitar Mm -hmm. by myself because I had come from all of this like private lessons and school lessons and all this junk that I kind of wanted to learn on my own and that's how I discovered a lot of like my influences I would say musically is just Mm -hmm. like guitar players that I admired at the time Um, like Eric Clapton or like Stevie Ray Vaughan I wasn't even really keen to yet but like maybe Jimi Hendrix Mm -hmm. and again Jimi Hendrix was a lot of I saw maybe some of my friends' older brothers that were like, oh, Jimi Hendrix. And mm-hmm. I just was like, okay, you got to like Hendrix if you're, you're right. if you're cool, you know? And so it, it might have taken me a year or so to get into that. But at that point, it was fun for me. I enjoyed like nerding out and like going backwards and finding mm-hmm. who were their influences. And then like, I remember even in college, I would go to the library, the music library at KU and even though I wasn't in a music program, I would just check out CDs mm-hmm. just because you could just like, you know, like a library book, you could just like right. rent CDs or whatever it's called. And I would go home and put them on my computer and then like take them back to the library and be like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm just here to check out stuff for class. And I don't think I was breaking any laws, but I always remember that being <laughs> uh, very advantageous. Just yeah, that's cool. Resource like that. But so as all that stuff's happening, you know, I, I, uh, wanted to be a guitar player and I wanted to sing and I kind of just got into it in that way and the bug bit me hard, you know, and I I think moving through high school, I still, you know, was pretty active in sports and stuff like that and 
actually did well in school. I don't know why, but, you know, I, I tried hard and did good, you know, kid did good. Yeah. And so moving into college, it was even like I, I, I knew I wanted to make music somehow a part of my life. I just didn't know how much of it or how much would be like my formative years where it was more academic and how much it would be like, you know, I can do this on my own and it might not mm -hmm. be this grand scheme of things like what I thought it would be. But it's still kind of, you know, like you're, you're doing what you want musically and, and if you're lucky enough, you can kind of turn it into not something that's fun, but just, you know, kind of makes you revenue and then maybe even becomes like a business for you, a mm -hmm. small business or something like that. So it's morphed and, and grown since I started, I guess, picking up my mom's acoustic guitar, mm -hmm. wanting to just look cooler right. and, and be able to play something. Um, and I spent a lot of time with the guitar between then and now and, and learned a lot of things, even giving lessons and taking a few different lessons throughout the years. Um, so you're always learning with that stuff. But uh, that would be my very, very long Sure, man. Short that's cool. Story. Well, well, you said a couple things that was interesting there. The one that, that I've seen as a theme is the 34th we've done, but especially when I've talked to people like um, Nick Schneblin and whatever, and, and every one of them talks about we had music in the home, mm -hmm. you know, we or, or a lineage of, of at least three generations here in a row of musicians yeah. and having that in the home or... Uh, just being around it and then look what's happened 20 years later is mm -hmm. now and so I, I've seen that as a theme I was the same way my mom had a family band with my grandpa yep. and etc you know so um, the other thing that you said that was really funny is is that I know we deal with this as a teacher all the time is you say that word forced and and that always cracks me up as a kid you know because the like I've said a lot a bunch of times like this happens to me literally every gig is that I'll go and somebody will come up to me Oh, I love the violin in fourth grade. I play, you know, I played and then I can just finish their sentence and then I quit. Right. Like, and everybody has this feeling that I was forced and that annoyance as a kid and you feel the forced, but then you also said something really interesting that later all of a sudden you get it, you yeah. get, you get why they did that, what, what the benefits are, et cetera, et cetera. And like, um, what, can you expound on that a little well, bit of I mean, the forced part? I, I think it's just weird because, like, I think when you're a kid, there there has to be, like, a means to an end, or it seems like there does. But as you're older, it's kind of like, to be good is good enough. Like, just to be good at something mm. at, in your own bedroom, like, to say that, like, I sat here and, and played the piano mm. and, and learned and, and kind of taught myself how to do something or use resources around you to learn. Um, just that amount of satisfaction is sometimes all you need. To, to play an instrument and stuff like that. And so as a kid, like, you're thinking, like, what's the payoff for this? Like, what's the deal? Mm -hmm. And as a side note, I know this is, is awful. It has nothing to do with music. But I remember it was also a lady who, like, lived out in the country. And she had these huge dogs. They were, like, farm dogs. And they would always jump on me mm -hmm. as I was getting out of the car mm -hmm. to go to piano lessons. And so I think even something as dumb as that. It was this small little like fear in my head That's where I was a young kid and I was yeah. like, the dogs are going to jump all over me and right. I just don't like going. Like my dad had to like walk me up to the front door. That's it's like, funny. it's okay. Right. You're going to be fine. I was like, see, see, that's hilarious that you said that because that, that happens a lot when, when we, we think it's this thing that we hate, but it's really this yeah. thing and we don't even really like put it all together. You know, we yeah. can't even, we can't even verbalize why we don't, you know. That's so funny because I know as teachers, we deal with that all the time is trying to figure out that, 
even talking about like the non-musical benefits of music of learning hard work and all that kind of stuff not many excuses and we we know we know that later on this is going to be a good thing linking up your two hemispheres you know i mean (laughs) there's like a million things that are good about it yeah but it's it's hard to just have that shotgun well no you're gonna do this you know and then even if you don't like it and later you're gonna love this but and it's even it's even kind of sad though too because i think there's a level of people think they're not good enough to do it. Mm. And so the idea of like being creative kind of dwindles, you know, in our society as you get older. And it just sucks because there's a lot of people that would have a lot of fun just like, like playing the drums or doing something musical, even for a short amount of time. But I think like you're saying, people start, they take lessons and then they get to a level where they think they're not good enough or they see other people or see something that's like in their world they're like man i'm never going to be that good like why even bother like this is hard it takes time and energy that's what kind of sucks even for younger generations you know i i know that video games weren't really a big thing for me like i Mm -hmm. i was doing something else and a lot of the time that's the same thing where it's just like i spend hours i feel lucky if i get to spend hours playing guitar you know most times nowadays i'm like man i'm lucky if i get time to do that whereas then i would just waste time Mm -hmm. playing guitar or something and i think not that that was good or bad, but that's just how I passed time. And so other people, they get to a certain level, and that's maybe not how they enjoy passing the time. Right. And right. then it, it also is this like complex where they're inferior, and they're like, if I can't do that, then I have no business doing right. it. Whereas, you know, other cultures, it's like much more of a communal thing, like music. Like, hey, if you can clap yeah. and stomp your feet, like, You're join in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, and it can be that m- more of an experience like that. Whereas sometimes we like to keep this barrier between like performer and audience member. Yeah, that's you know? interesting. And yeah. that's kind of weird too because it doesn't take much training to find a beat or know where a beat would fall within right. our Western music, you know? Um, and I think even that, people would get more enjoyable experiences. You're talking about the jealousy factor. Yeah, you know? maybe. I mean, maybe. I don't know if it would be jealousy, but just like you... Musician you, to musician. Yeah. That, that is just a thing. And I know in sports, that's got, you know, it's 100% a thing. You know, you're or just like, maybe Michael Jordan, what do you do about this dude? You know, it's describing like... Describing it as like competition yeah. though, you know? Like, yeah. And, and sometimes that's a deal too, where like you don't want it to be this competition mm-hmm. because like if you're, again, the reward is you know a skill and it, it makes other people not only... I mean, it makes yourself happy, but if you're lucky enough, it can make other people happy as well and have mm-hmm. a good time or, you know, be healed and all that other stuff. But, you know, like, sometimes just the the, the idea of creating the music is just as mm-hmm. enjoyable, you know? It's not naturally a competition, is yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, I mean... Sports is. And it the can help. as a game. I mean, you know, I guess like, there's, yeah. there's obviously healthy competition mm-hmm. pushes you to be better, you know? It could. Like <laughs> if John Lennon came in with a great song, Paul McCartney would go in and try to write a better song, you right. know, or something along those lines, but that doesn't always happen, mm-hmm. obviously. But they had a natural respect sure. underlying sure. that. It sure. wasn't a... It was yeah. That happens a lot. I know it's, it's really hard to not... Feel, especially like when you get in a town like Kansas City where everybody can just feel the hierarchy kind of a thing going on right you know sure. those are the good players and we're the and then these guys are the jammers and then you have that you know and you start like ranking and doing all this crap would, you know I mean I would say that there's some people do that there's too. levels of that in, in any city or anywhere yeah. you go though too and, and it's not necessarily like that but it's also um, 
if it's anywhere like that, then that just happens to be a scene. Because <laughs> there's enough people to yeah. not like put people in places like that at all, but just yeah. like you have enough people that are there interested in it. So I mean, if there's ever anything like that happening, that would probably be a success. You yeah, know? I mean, it's like hard to stay out of that mentality. That's oh what yeah, I mean. yeah. You know, it's hard. Yeah. It's it can be done, but it's hard. Yeah, you, you just know. gotta keep doing your thing because yeah. that's what it's all about anyway. Yeah. So. so tell me. So now we we've kind of gotten up till today. So so talk about uh, talk about old number fives a little bit. Um. So it's been probably six years mm -hmm. since we've started as a band. Two original records, um, which were basically done in house and uh, at our own expense, if you will. Um, and then since then we've probably played. I don't know. Over 500 shows, yeah, probably more than that. But yeah, you know, yeah. a large number of shows, um, and played a lot of material, and, and been lucky enough to travel some and, mm -hmm. and experience some of what that's like. I guess out on the road as a successful band, <laughs> not to the extent of um, a lot of people their success, but you know, it's some small version of the success that you thought of when you were a kid or thought of when you wanted mm -hmm. to get into it to begin with. Um, and so at, at this point, I think there's actually been for the first time some, some turnover in the band. And so we're trying to think about ways to maybe expand what we've done for a long time and mm -hmm. thinking about, um, yeah, maybe ways to add additional members and just kind of not change the sound or necessarily stylings of what mm -hmm. type of music we play, um, but just see what happens with a beefier sound or mm. you know additional musical um, musical voices not like literal like singing voices but like right. someone's yeah. literal like adding additional voices to because you guys have had a trio for yeah, forever right? yeah it's been just guitar bass drums for like I said at least yeah. six years now um, I guess the band started in like the very very beginnings of 2012 mm. So yeah, six years. That's cool, man. <laughs> and, and I know, listen to you guys. Um, I haven't. I, I've only heard when when Aaron was there, you know. But uh, but yeah, I'm always always a fan of you know Der Derek's an absolute great choice for your your band. You know, he's a really yeah. good bass player, and, and yeah. you 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 know sh you know shred the crap out of all your solos, and you're a good yeah. singer, and and you know, and he he gave some good drummers, and I'm sure anybody anybody else that you guys would be interested in bringing in is gonna yeah. gonna do what you need you yeah. know I would, yeah. I'm sure that it would I mean shout out to those guys obviously they're great players and they're uh, two-thirds of the band so Aaron Thomas mm -hmm. uh, who has at this point you know we've uh, kind of parted ways and it was mm -hmm. very much just I think um, it was a long relationship and and we basically done a lot of things together and it just but at the end of the day it sometimes it gets tough to you know get back on the, on the horse again and, and want to do things together and and be on the same page with stuff and you know life happens lots of life happens over the course of six years and I've even known Aaron before that previously I um I lived in Lawrence when I went to school in KU and we played in a band for about two years before I even I moved away for about four years yeah so, so that's we've, not five we've known, eight, yeah, whatever, yeah 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 so yeah. I mean we've been good friends for a very long time we've been bandmates for a very long time mm -hmm. we've been like co-business owners for a very long right. time so um not to say that the relationship has run its course, but it yeah. had just got to a point where we were both kind of on the same page and you know yeah. looking for a change in some way. So yeah, well, Aeros Aerosmith doesn't happen. You know what I mean? Those guys have <laughs> yeah. been together for like forty yeah. years. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean yeah. that, that just 
you know, it just is what it is. You know? Yeah, and honestly, we've been very lucky. So Derek Tucker um, was not actually the original bass player mm-hmm. either, you know. So we started out with uh, a guy, Pat Adams, who was actually a drummer mm-hmm. and is a drummer, a very accomplished uh, drummer. He was our bass player when that band started. And mm-hmm. then uh, Patricio Lazen was our bass player for about two years. And so the mm-hmm. band has, you know, kind of changed and grown and evolved, but always kind of been the same type of band, you know. And um, so at this point, moving forward, we've got some different guys that are kind of, you know, making stuff happen. And uh, Adam Watson would be the most... Um, I like I'd Adam say a lot, yeah. at this point he's probably been the most consistent, and I would say he's he's in the band. You yeah. know what I mean. So, uh, and we're just basically, like I said, trying to see uh, what the next steps are, and we've done quite a few shows now already with Adam. So that's cool. Uh, I like his playing a yeah, lot. Yeah, and so it's been a good it's been yeah. a good change, and um, it's been fun just to kind of be on your toes again. Sometimes playing with somebody for a very very long time, mm-hmm. you get. Um, you don't have to think about as many things because the changes are instinctual Yeah. versus, man, I'm not really sure how we're going to hit the ending mm-hmm. here, you know? And so like in that sense, it's, I think it can be rejuvenating though. Too, yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like the best, I, this to me, it seems like I say this analogy all the time, but music is very much like surfing or like skiing or something like that, where the physical act of what you're doing, either it's surfing or, or you know, playing guitar and singing, mechanically or whatnot is always the same but the conditions are always different mm. so everything you're doing is just the same but it's always based on the circumstances and you know the mood you're in the mood the band's in how things are going in their lives or how the weather is you know if it's room. cold if it's yeah. cold yeah the room yeah. the environment yeah. the sound system that's interesting I sound like guy you're still running through those songs and and in that regard like even bands that for the most part play the same set lists every night, which, mm. you know, we, we don't really do. Um, we play a lot of the same songs, but they're never yeah, in the same order all, and yeah. stuff. Um, even something like that, though, you know, you're still getting a different performance and a yeah. different uh, angle or perspective on that original song or that, that tune, even a see, cover tune. See, that, and that's another thing that's interesting. I think that the band that comes to mind with that type of idea is Fish. You know, I mean, Fish, yeah. every single show is yeah. a different deal, and they just they just like that. They, mm-hmm. don't, they, they don't ever do the same show twice. First of all, they're, like, improving the entire freaking thing, but, <laughs> but, they're, but they're moving their set list around, yeah. and they're, they're kind of jamming out this song, but then not this one this night. Mm-hmm. And like, that's really cool. I know a lot of people have some very different opinions about that sure. subject, about show to show to show, you know, how are we going to do we want to give them we are an act and a mm-hmm. show and you're going to, it's like a six nights Vegas kind of a thing <laughs> where you're going to come see this act. We give you the same jokes. We give you the same, you know, yeah, yeah. and then you go see fish and it's like totally different. And you know, yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's just, you know, there's not s- sad to say there's not really ever going to be like a, I mean, maybe I could be mistaken, but it's, it's tough for somebody to say that like another Beatles is going to come along where they're just going to have so much of the music market. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So much popularity that they're taking up most of the yeah. pie. Nowadays, like you're lucky if you have a little sliver of any yeah. sort of success, you know, even really successful artists. Like it's not to the extent yeah. that like an artist like the Beatles or Elvis. Elvis. Had. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I think even to have that small amount of success, you know, that's the fine line between your audience and, and your fans, I guess, is it's like, are you trying to, 
maybe please yourself and in that sense be a little bit more for a diehard fan? Or are you trying to maybe please diehard fans but maybe creep into the, I wouldn't say radio-friendly idea, but you're maybe a little bit more tighter, tighter package yeah. in your songwriting? Right. It's more like, okay, here's three minutes of a song rather than like, okay, here's like a 17-minute song that like if you're, Boy, yeah. if you're into this, you're going to love it. But if you're not, you're going to leave before that 17 minutes right. is over. So that's yeah. the fine line between are you, you know, and I think I really enjoy both of those things. I enjoy really short, mm -hmm. just to the point pop songs just as much as I enjoy, you know, like listening to something be like jammed out for 10 minutes, you know. Mm -hmm. And then even to the point, I, you know, I can't listen to everything. I'm just as human as anybody else. Right. Like after a while for, for some things music you know ideas I'm just like man I'm burned out on that already like mm -hmm. let's move on and so I mean everybody's gonna have their taste but I think that's the, the fine line between too much and not enough or mm -hmm. and, and that's what I always try to think about at least is like you can do your your stuff maybe original stuff or your unique stylings <clears throat> on cover songs but then you've also got to be able to like reel people back in with something that they're used to or yeah. they know and love, you know? So sprinkle what you can and then hook them back and then try to sprinkle back what you mm -hmm. want. And then, so that's at least how I go about mm -hmm. like thinking about the performance and how things are always different. It's like it, if, if the crowd's engaged in one way, then try to go that route. If they're not, then maybe try to change that up and go a different Adjust, route. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. So, so on that topic on, on writing, um, it was kind of crazy when I did my two albums with some buddies in Wichita. It was just a cool experience because I'd never written any music before, mm -hmm. and and definitely that argument I've I've had a lot with myself over the last like even eight whatever years is that that idea of do I want to do you know kind of go, go Floyd style where I'm doing like a concept album, seventeen minute songs, <laughs> screw the public, you mm -hmm. know I'm gonna make musicians music for musicians, or you know. Not to just have it be only two kinds, but or go the maybe more pop route and whatever, make it more accessible, et cetera. Like what what's what's your philosophy when you start writing stuff like that? I wouldn't even say it's more like polished either. When we're talking like go the more like radio style, it's just more like so I mean, you use the like Hendrix analogy where like Chaz Chandler, his manager slash guy that kind of discovered him and brought him over to London, it was he was very much thinking of the two and a half, three minute pop song mm -hmm. for the radio at popular music right. at the time, you know, in 1966, 67. And um, once Jimmy became Jimmy and the world knew it and he kind of allowed himself to start mm -hmm. swimming off, you know, right. like they actually kind of had a little tiff because Chaz Chandler was like, man, where's the song? Like this jamming is all good, but where's the song? And that doesn't mean that his music is good either way because I think both audiences appreciate it. So I think the difference would be um, there's great music in both of those kind of ideas. It's just the attention to detail and how much attention to detail an artist or a person puts into it. You know, so as much as you make that like Floyd 17 minute song, if you've got 17 minutes of really good attention to detail and you took your time and it was awesome, then people probably love it even if it was 17 minutes, mm -hmm. you know. And if you spent two minutes on something you thought you were pandering, but there was no attention to detail, then it's just two minutes of crap, you know? Mm -hmm. So I don't think it's any, I mean, again, you, you don't want to try to go either way, I guess. It's, it's more for me, it's an idea 
that you kind of start with that, oh, I really like that. And if I can remember it past when I came up with it and kind of hum it in my head and keep coming back to it in a couple days or a couple hours later, mm. then it's got to be cool enough for me to try to flesh out more of it, you know? Yeah. Did you, did you guys, how did, how did you record your stuff? Did you like track it all or did you do it live or how, how did you do your albums like that? So the first record that we did, um, was very much kind of pieced together, Mm -hmm. different places, different times. Um, and what we did is I did a majority of the kind of like engineering on just basic stuff, basic gear, like Mm -hmm. 57s and a basic, uh, like condenser. Like one condenser. Yeah. Um, anyway, and and then we historically, I guess this is what we've done is like have songs, kind of try to track live, try to overdub things after we've tracked live, or if it, if something's already there, we do a lot of stuff to click. So if something's already there, which is a basic solo acoustic part, mm-hmm. then we can just build from. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would say it's it's kind of any and all ways that we've done things. But historically, once that's all done and kind of not necessarily levels or, or mixed or anything like that, where at least we think it's a, a rough estimate of what we want, we'll ship it out to a third party to be mixed. I mean, mm-hmm. probably to yeah. another third party to be mastered. Um, and that's just kind of what we've done. And it's always been just people that I've known that have done the mixing and mastering. Yeah. I'm just, I mean... Not that you're saving much money. Right, But you know what I mean? It's one of those things where it's like you, you tend to go to people that you trust. And even if you have no idea what their musical tastes are or whatnot, if you trust those, that person, then more or less, you know, I, I, I don't have too much restraint right. doing something like that. Obviously, I would know them to know their background and stuff like that, but it's fine. Hey, there they are. Uh, we got blowers. That's lovely. Uh, leaf blowers. Conditions outside. are always different. Yeah, I know. It, so I know when I was doing mine, one one thing that's or when I've always played live, like orchestra and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Even even with uh, our rock band, and then going into the jazz guys. I mean, they would never track, mm-hmm. right? I mean, mm-hmm. jazz guys just go into the room and. Yeah. And their mentality is it, on this solo, you get what you get. Sure, you know, and yeah. that's part of the art form. But it was it was just interesting going over to a lot of the more of the rock guys, and they're like, okay, I'm my buddy, one of my buddies. I gave him my uh, one of one of me and Derek's friends on the album. Uh, I gave him the you know Pro Tools recording, and so he took it home because he had Pro Tools and. He came back. He's like, "Yeah, you know, it took me 87 takes." I was like, "87? Like, you didn't have to spend that much, you know?" I mean, yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for getting it right, but I mean, you didn't have to, you know. And uh, so that—that's kind of the thing that when I, when I hear a, a an album that is literally completely trapped, they do only drums and they do only guitar, and then that was just their scratch track guitar, right? Then they bring the bass in, and then they take the guitar out and then do the guitar for real, and like. And you, you mentioned the money. I mean, that's a big thing with all of us. It sucks, yeah, but yeah. it's like, do we, do we have time to sit here for literally nine months on this album to track every, sit there for four days yeah. on just the guitar track by uh, mixing the guitar? You know, I mean, we just don't have that much time, a yeah. lot of us. And um, Well, so here's what I would say about that, though. So I went to a recording school 
in Phoenix. Mm. And then I moved to Los Angeles and lived there for like three and a half years. And I worked at some studios. And I was basically just like a fly on the wall. Yeah. Um, not making much money, but just being there mm-hmm. was kind of cool. And so in a lot of ways, like I somewhat trained to, to like do things like that. So I have my own little Pro Tools rig and mm-hmm. what worked out like every, what you were just describing was basically like everything that we did. So we've done all of the above where it's like, there's times where it was literally like, okay, that's the drum track. And I think each song is different. And there's a lot of versions of songs too, where um, our second album actually had three or four different versions of songs that I recorded everything on my own and like took it to the guys. And I was like, this is what I'm thinking for the song. And so they used that as their reference point before they even played their parts. Right. And so sometimes it becomes this thing. So like our first album, it became this thing where it's like almost like checking things off the list. So it's like, okay, so here's this song idea. It's just the acoustic guitar part. But I went through and took the time to track it to a click. So therefore someone else could come listen to the same click, play along with Mm -hmm. theoretically it would line up, which it does. Modern technology. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but no, like any you know capable musician, that's why kids they say practice to a click, because not only does it make you better, but if you're able to do that, you can remote record or record yeah. anything with anyone. Um, and so we did things that way. And then honestly, our first record, the guitars and the drums were finished when Derek Tucker joined the band. And so he came in and, and basically already, just, yeah. just laid down bass parts to some songs that he wasn't even necessarily familiar with at the time. Mm-hmm. And so that's very cool in one way. And also, like, if you see us now, you would notice quite a bit of change in those songs that we play from that oh, first yeah. album. And so, again, that's it's just both ways. It's very cool. If you expected to see the band and hear it just like the record, then you might be a little bit disappointed. Mm-hmm. But there's also a lot of things... I remember a quote from Billy Corgan. He was like, if you're recording something, and I'm probably paraphrasing, sorry, Billy. Um, if you're recording something, like, why skimp on parts and sound and sonic, you know, like, production-wise? You have all of these things available to you, and if that's what you hear and that's what you want in your head, then, like, why, why not do that? And so, whereas there's things on the record, on both of our records... <laughs> multiple guitar parts, you know, and I can't recreate that as one guitar right, player on stage. Right. And so if you come to the show in that regard, you might be disappointed. Mm-hmm. But if you came to the show kind of knowing the songs, but knowing that they're going to be different, and even a lot of like solos, like guitar solos or um, bass solos and stuff, they're going to be different on night right. to night. So if you're looking for that kind of experience, then it's, it's that, you know. And so mm-hmm. that's what I was saying earlier maybe too about the fine line between something you recognize and something that was exciting and fresh to hear while still hinting at an original thing that you enjoyed, you know? Right. I know like what you just described was something that always happens to me a lot is people will call me in for this like singer songwriter kind of guy or, or kind of country duo or something. And they're like, Oh, we want violin on the song. And that, that's what happened on my album is I put a bunch of violin parts over all of my singing mm-hmm. and then when I went to you know went out live I can't play all these mm-hmm. I gotta sing you know and so it on my next album I'm just gonna purposefully choose not to do that I mean and I'm gonna make it more 
and this is again just my preferences, I'm gonna make a big massive violin solo in the middle, but not put all this extra violin crap over my vocals because I can't do that live. And so I was asking these guys like, I know it feels neat, you know, to have all this violin on your stuff, and I don't, I get it. Yeah, I'd love to have a full string quartet or I'm bringing all, you know, full horn section or whatever all these extra parts are, uh, five backup singers, etc. you know. But when I go out and play live, that's not what you're gonna get, you know? And so that, that in that way, it seems silly to me, but it doesn't when you're like, dude, if I could get some extra people and then my album sounds cool, definitely this happens a lot when you're like a solo player, yeah. you know? And then, but yeah. you're handing this to a club owner and then it's got like a five piece band yeah. and then, well, what am I getting? You know, that, that would be my argument against doing stuff like that, but I can totally understand why, um, like the why not argument, yeah, you know, that, yeah. and so, yeah. I don't know, like, uh, but uh, I've always found recording to just be funny. Like, it, it just the whole thing is just funny to me, it like is. going in and you, you're sitting there and you're like, you're, and, and then, you know, the other guy's always in this other room, you know, the mixer and he's, you know, he's got his, you know, his uh, eye rolling and then you're like, okay, uh, and you, you always say that, all right, one more time, I got it. And he's like, uh-huh, you know. <laughs> you know, you always say that one more time, you know. You're like, yeah, right. Well, yeah. I, I think, though, in that regard, it, recording is just like driving, though. Everybody drives different. Mm-hmm. And if you really get down to it, though, if you're around enough drivers, it doesn't seem all that uncommonplace for some people to do one take and be done. Mm-hmm. And then for other people to be really meticulous. And then maybe that's what I mean as far as attention to detail. Even if it was one take they might just, you know, they drive differently. So like their attention to detail when they're doing something, although it's really fast and they just got from point A to point B, like they might have driven really good, you know? Yeah, right. Or if you're a terrible driver and you drive really, really slow and it takes you a really long time to get from A to B, you're still there safely, just took you a long, long yeah, longer to get that's, there. That's, that's interesting. Um, and so I think, you know, that was what that experience out in Los Angeles was cool to see is like a lot of people record completely different ways. Some people come in and they seemingly waste a lot of money. Other people, they come in and they're very business-like, you know? Yeah. Other people come in and they're having a great time, you know, partying, and it's like, are you guys recording? And it's yeah. like, maybe that, that doesn't matter. Maybe they just, you know, they're- It's just all about the life. Yeah, you, maybe, you know, you know yeah, it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah. So it's all different. And um, I think it's cool though, like you were just saying, it, it's all based on different songs, kind of have different feels, and they get created in different ways. Mm-hmm. And the act of going through the process of creating a record, though, like you said, for the next one, I'm going to do this. Because mm-hmm. you learn each time you do something. Right. So as you do it, you think like, okay, like I remember how I thought the drum should sound on the last record. But now I'm totally hearing this. Yeah. And that's different than what mm-hmm. I thought previously. And yeah. so not that anything has necessarily changed, because it's not just a flip of a switch, like you're different now. It's just like over time, your ears change, you get exposed to different music, different mm-hmm. ideas, you know, connected in the brain and all that, all mm-hmm. that stuff happening. Uh, you know, your tastes become different. So like, like the whole the song set. changes. I mean, cause, cause like you guys having the guitar and uh, drums there already, then you bring somebody like Derek in there and then you go, okay, put, you know, funky four four ish something yeah. over there and then he comes in and does whatever he does and you're like, ooh, you know, and, and if you give sometimes like like Miles was was really well known for that. He'll bring in 
I know that you guys are just going to lay something ridiculous down because <laughs> I've got the best in the world coming yeah. to play with me. Yeah. And so he, he tells them about this much and lets them do their thing. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden they're like helping create this, even though they're not really the writer of the song. Yeah. But, you know, they come in and put this, you know, that like, like a bass player, you're, you're imagining like a regular funky part, but over this chorus, he starts slapping and you're like, Ooh, mm -hmm. that sounded really good. You know? And so it like, like you said, you had this one idea and then it changes, but you don't know that's going to happen. Yeah. It's just, there's no way to yep. prepare for that. And that, that only works when you bring in like really quality musicians can help that a lot. You know? And I would say too, at the same time, they, those guys would probably be just as quick to say that for every one of those, there's probably another time though, where they were looking more for inspiration as far as like, man, what do you want me to play? Yes. And then somebody like me who, or, or somebody who like had the original idea, was like, man, this is what I was thinking. And then they go with that idea. So again, I would say it's song by song basis because yeah. a lot of times it's like you can't, like you just said, you can't think of something before it happens, right? Mm. And you can imagine maybe how you would do it or what you hear in your head, but obviously that's gonna come through somebody else's mm. ears differently. And so sometimes it's really cool. Other times what you had in your head is what you want. Mm. And so, you know, right. there is a little bit of that too where I've come up with things that I thought were just like scratch vocal parts. And then at the end of the day, like the record's done, you're like, I like that very first one yeah, where I was just goofing yeah, around. Right. And even some of your inflections and things like that. So there's a slippery slope there, like when you're recording too, of like, man, do I, like you say, do I do a scratch guitar track just so I can get everybody else on board, knowing that I'm gonna come back, but then when I right. come back, is it gonna be different? Is my idea going to be different? Maybe the tone is going to be different and then it's going to change how I was originally thinking about the song. And then even though that one part is messed up right there in that original take, do this I just keep part, it? Do other, I just keep yeah. it or something? You know, like mm -hmm. I know it was a mistake and I really wanted to redo that. But is that what makes that version or that song cool? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of little mistakes where like I have just tons of music of, of things that I've tried to record. And a lot of the times it's, it's like the whole like throwing paint, you know, sometimes you come up with really cool stuff and sometimes you mm -hmm. just come up with crap. Yeah. Recording cracks me up. Um, the, the one other thing that I wanted to ask you was I'm always kind of fascinated by what people are thinking while they're playing. So, so I'm specifically talking about like on stage, what, uh, what are some things that is rolling through your head? I'll give you an example for myself. I know that, now that, that I've, you know, been through so many lessons and stuff, there's a lot of kind of rhythm and kind of touch and stuff that's pretty, pretty natural at this point. You know, I don't have to think about that as much. So I know for myself, I'm, I'm thinking a lot about when am I going to play? Like, what, when do I need to come in? You have those vocals and then you have your little space there. I'm going to throw my little silly riff in and more vocals and then my space and like, or in a, on a solo and I'm going to, okay, I need to start lower and then I'm going to build myself, you know, I, I have these like when kind of things, you know, um, e either as you can answer this one of two ways, uh, or however you want, like even as a guitar player or as like even a front front person on the mic, like what, what's going through your head while you're playing? Um, what are you focusing on? I don't know that it's unique, but a lot of the times if we don't have a set list, which is, I would say the majority of our shows, it would be me thinking what the next song is going to be. <laughs> and that might sound weird, but nope. it's, it's more, more or less like 
playing is so easy that you're thinking about what's coming next. No, like, <laughs> no, the, yeah, 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 kind of, though. Not, I, mean, yeah. I think, I guess what it would be is, like, when I am aware of kind of what's happening, depending upon how long the show is, two things I think of are trying to kind of relax, because mm -hmm. there are times I feel like, personally, I get really, like, into something, and then sometimes I see video of myself, and I'm like, I was like, man, I was killing it in my head. And I see video and I'm like, man, I'm just jumping around. Like, I don't know if that's just my own, like, oh, what am I doing? Yeah. I was in the moment. I was having a great time, yeah. right? So sometimes I try to remind myself to, like, relax a little bit. Um, but then more or less, I'm trying to watch people. And if, if they're into a specific song, like, I'm thinking, okay, what else can we do that's in this vein? Or if I'm thinking, what's the last two songs we played? So what are the next two songs? So if we just did this type of song, right. I know the next one is gonna be an original. Okay, we just did this type of original. Let's do some covers. Yeah. Oh wait, we just did this type of covers, so now let's so now do- now I need to give them a ballad, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, think yeah, it's yeah, more, yeah. more or less like the flow of the show, yeah. if you will, or the set. Because a lot of yeah. times you know, we'll play like an hour or 75 minute set, so it's like, okay, how is the whole thing kind of gonna flow? Is there gonna be up-tempo numbers, slower numbers, mm -hmm. like, funkier numbers, right. even to the point, especially as a trio, I a lot of times think about, okay, like I just did a song where I'm being the guitar player. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm the guitar player. Main focus, yeah. And then there's like, I'm okay, if I just did two or three of those songs, I, I need to do a song that's, I'm not the main thing, or I'm not doing that type of guitar playing. Mm -hmm. So maybe I'm just strumming on yeah. a song, and it's less of me playing single lead blues right. notes, you know? Um, so I, more I, singing, Derek, yeah. Derek front, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Or maybe a more rhythmic yeah. kind of yeah. thing. We have a lot of songs, especially as a trio, that like um, we do a lot of guitar changes. I have some open tuning guitars, and so those are perfect little drum breaks for a, little, a drum mm -hmm. to start a song and have it be, you know, 16 bars of right. a drum. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a solo, but it's just them kind of introducing the next song and kind of, mm -hmm. okay, our ears are now adjusting to something new, not just the same thing mm -hmm. over and over and over again. So that's relax. Yeah. And then the flow and how things can yeah. be not all the same is what I'm constantly trying to figure yeah, out. Yeah, I, I totally, I totally can, uh, can relate to that because when I, when I tried to run my little, the dudes, we had a, our little fish rock band thing, that, that was the thing that was hard for me is the the song the song choices and and also like the talking to the audience kind of stuff it was mm -hmm. it was like the violin was you know probably arrogant but kind of on lockdown and <laughs> even the singing you know I was pretty comfortable doing that but it was kind of all of the other stuff mm -hmm. you know it was the mood regulation it was the you know figuring out what song and 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 definitely I, I agree with that and I think a lot of fans don't don't understand that like all of us practicing so long in a practice room that this is like breathing you know mm -hmm. they, they don't mm -hmm. they don't know that like that like <laughs> we're on stage and we're like thinking what we're going to eat after the show you know i mean like our brain is somewhere else you know this is so like mindless and, well, and as a as know. a as a student though i i remember thinking or not thinking but i guess once you can start doing that like you're almost doing two things at once Mm -hmm. You can start thinking while you're playing something. I even tell students that I have now, it's like, try to watch TV, as, as counterproductive as it seems. Mm -hmm. Try to practice the guitar and turn on the television on mute 
And even though you're still focusing on the guitar, you can kind of let your mind drift a little bit yeah. and try to still go through the, the mechanical part of playing guitar. Because mm -hmm. then again, like what happens if you're playing something and it becomes so routine that your brain thinks of something new to go to after that or yeah. something like that, you know? There's the Pandora's box of like right. creativity. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, and you're enabling the creativity if they're just noodling. Yeah, there. that's yeah. a good exercise yeah. for that. Yeah, but that that's kind of like I think there's a lot of I, I would hope to put myself in that category too. But those those people that have just done it so much that now it's on autopilot, and that's that's where I think at least as a player that you obviously want to eventually get to. Yeah. You know, twenty yeah. twenty years in the road, ten years into the, your practice, you mm -hmm. know, you'll probably be able to get to some kind of point like that the 10,000 hours the right? 10,000 hours yeah. thing yeah, yeah that's yeah I've heard of that and no. even if it's not like a particular thing a lot of times you know like or a particular instrument that you put your time into a lot of times it's like do you critically listen to music yes do yes. a lot of younger people nowadays they don't necessarily listen to music even the way that our generation did and yeah. our parents like they listen yeah. to records you yeah. know and, and so even to the point of a flow of a show and like song choices and stuff like that, genre wise, even age is kind of something to think about. Is the audience majority of, majority of the audience older yes. crowd or is it yes. a younger generation crowd? Yeah. That means maybe their attention span is a little bit shorter. Mm. Older generation maybe likes this particular style of music better. You know what I mean? So oh, like yeah. all of those things going into it and I guess, as it comes full circle, when you talk about it like that, though, there's a great, again, I'm misquoting it, but like Thelonious Monk, I believe, is quoted as basically saying like, the music that I play is basically the life that I'm like living. I'm basically mm -hmm. just spitting back out all the things that I eat and breathe yeah. and sleep and live Feel. in, you yeah. know? And so I'm basically just like an expression of my life and what I do, you know, and the influences and mm -hmm. the stuff that I've had in my life, both positive and negative yeah. a lot of times. So... It's just, I think that's a good way to describe it too, because it's like, you know, everything's always different, always right. changing, but. Um, I've talked to my buddy too with our country band now, and he was, you know, he was just kind of joking that we're, we do really great with like that 40s or 60s crowd, you know what I mean? And that's fine, because yeah. we play a ton of 70s stuff and mm -hmm. we love it. And, some, some, you know, Garth Brooks kind of stuff. That's and what I mean. Look, it's that little niche of the pie. And it's great. Perfect. Yeah. And, but he was joking why we don't have any, any younger people at our shows. And, and I was and I was like, well, I mean, we, this is what we do. You know, we're really good at Eagles, Doobie Brothers, mm -hmm. that kind of, you know, mm -hmm. 70 mm -hmm. stuff. But I'm like, one thing that we could think about is you were talking about adjusting the set list maybe we need to get rid of this Tennessee Waltz kind of songs. You know, this is like 40s. I mean, my my parents are like, yes, I've heard that song. It makes me feel childhood, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I mean, that crap is really boring. I mean, we need to be To playing. each their own. To yeah, each their they, own. They, they, they think it's boring, you know. And, and But I'm like, maybe... Maybe you're right. We do need to keep a ballad in our set. We can't take out every ballad and make yeah. all of our songs rip roaring. Mm -hmm. But maybe we need to add in like that uh, Kenny Loggins Danny song. You know, that's a really famous tune. Or like uh, take uh, take it to the limit, Eagles. Right? Maybe we need to put some updated ballads well, instead I think, of that. And what you're you saying know. though is basically it's just like anybody. If you're doing it that long and you have that attention to detail, that you're being that hyper aware yeah. of what we're talking about, mm -hmm. you know, nerding out on I it. Know, it's just yeah. like, at that point, then, you know, 
you're doing it right, you know, whether it's the 17 minute Floyd or right. a little short two minute package song, you know, like if there's that hyper awareness and attention to detail of what you're doing and it's done well from the right, you know, mm-hmm. from the right heart. Uh, I think that probably, at least in my opinion, is the type of fan or audience member that I would love to have 100% right. of the time. Right. So if you're getting close to that with anybody, then you've, yeah. you've won as far as the... I mean, that being said, that's as far as the like live music entertainer thing. You know yeah, what I mean? Because yeah. you could also go from you're that live music entertainer person and the opposite side of that would be like you're a proficient recording artist. You know yeah. what I mean? And those are two different worlds. Yeah, so. sure. That, you're not worried about the order of the songs and right. if the crowd loves it or not, you know? It's, it's not, it's, yeah. there is no audience. It doesn't matter at that right, point. Yeah. It's a different awareness and a different attention to detail. So to finish up here, uh, t- tell me, tell me some funny moments in the music business you've had, or some ones that you'd you know never forget. Or you know. okay, so whatever you want to say. I mean, this is not funny, and I wish it was about me, but it's not. Um, I lived in Los Angeles, and I worked at a recording studio. It's the very famous Westlake Recording Studio, uh, right in West Hollywood. And it was the um, recording studio that Michael Jackson did a lot of his work mm. as a solo artist in the uh, 80s and like early 90s, I guess. So I did not hear in this place until 2009. Mm. So 2009. So Michael actually died, passed away the summer that I moved. So I had just moved to Los Angeles when all this happened. But there was a room um, upstairs in one of the bigger rooms of the studio, this Westlake has four different rooms, and one of the larger rooms has a couple lounges for the artists, you know, to relax while they're not tracking. Um, and there was actually construction done in the early 90s, I believe, I'm probably wrong on some of these dates, but construction done for an upstairs, like, lounge area to have a, a like, a looking window so you could see into the studio. Mm-hmm. And, um... Like my second or third day on the job, a guy was like, yeah, so when Michael was recording here, he had this room renovated and had this little window put in so his pet monkey could look through the window while he recorded. And so, not that that's, you know, a good story at all. That, that's, that's crazy. I mean, that, uh, that's, you know, that's and that room was just that little lounge thing. I, um, I don't think anybody ever really used it. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of like a little upstairs kind of thing with a TV and a couple couches in there, but... It was always just um, spick and span, like nobody had ever touched that room. I wonder if anybody, any of the artists even knew it was they, there. They were there in the 70s, they was used. <laughs> it was used by the monkeys. <laughs> by the monkeys. Uh, I don't know, is that, is that a good that, story? Dude, I mean, I, I, that does not surprise me, Michael Jackson had a pet monkey. Yeah. That just not, doesn't surprise me at all. And the lengths that... Um, Beaver. Beaver has a pet monkey. <laughs> the, the lengths that seemingly sane people went to mm-hmm. to um, accommodate, accommodate yeah. something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, it's like, well, we don't know if we've got it in the budget, but let's just go ahead and do it. Mm-hmm. That's pretty funny. And uh, run with it. So they did. Oh my gosh. Hey, have you had have you had any like? I, I did. You guys play at the IBC. We have played the... Uh, or what is the thing called? The International Blues Challenge, yeah. IBC. Wait, yes. Was that kind of a crazy crazy thing to be a part of? Or? Uh, so, uh, the band, the old number fives, we did that two different times, actually. And um, first time, it was seemingly crazy. But then the second time we went, it was 
seemingly very enjoyable experience. Mm-hmm. And um, the only thing I can say about it all is it, it definitely puts any band that gets to that spot in Memphis there, um, it puts you through your paces just as far as, you know, any anything that becomes more of a business, like you have to travel, you have to be on time for things. Mm-hmm. Not that that's hard to do, but for some musicians, you know, that can be hard to do. Um, not that there was anything like that with us, but I would just say that we went the first time, um, maybe with a little bit, like, got to be on our best behavior, here we yeah, go, and, right. and then after that, and, and we did well both times, we made it to the semifinals, advanced to the semifinals, that's so that's cool. paring down quite a few bands to very few, um, but I think personally, the first time we played, we had, so we have three shows basically uh, down in Memphis, uh-huh. on Beale Street there, uh, you're guaranteed two, so uh-huh. we... Up to four, guaranteed. And there's like, are they like 20 minute set sort yeah, of things? Yeah, it's like, uh, I think it's 25 minutes. Okay, yeah. Um, and then obviously there's different categories that you're kind of judged on. Uh-huh. And so, again, it's kind of double-edged because you're riding that line between like, I want to be my own artist and, and do what I do, versus like, okay, there's criteria. So right. if you want to go down here and be successful, then maybe you should at least look at that criteria mm. and try to think what fits, what you do best how that fits into what they're judging you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So this is what you're judging me on. How does what we already do fit into that? Right. I'm not trying to change what you do. Right. How does what we do fit into that mold best? Or maybe... Or like, what songs? What yeah, five songs yeah. represent Maybe, like, best? if you never think about your, like, dynamics, for example, and yeah. then you go, like, yeah. oh, wow, they're actually going to be judging on that. Hmm. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like, yeah. And so I think that's maybe a little bit more on the music side, what I'm saying, as far as it puts you through the paces, as far as, like, okay, like... How do you look? What is the band going to dress mm. like? How are you going to present yourselves as a band? That's How a are big you going one. To... Yeah. And it's a lot of exposure. There's a lot of cool things down there. Um, but so the first time we went, uh, we went in, oh, let's see, 2014. Um, we made it to the semifinals, but I felt that our best performance was our very first performance. Mm-hmm. And kind of our not our best personally performance was the last one. And then I feel like when we went again in... 2016 Mm -hmm. I believe Um, it was the opposite where I thought we were kind of shaky the first night but then the third night I thought it was the best situation or the best playing that we could have done all week yeah wow so I I think that um, in that regard that's all you could ever ask for oh yeah that sounded good I think we did good and uh, made some contacts along the way and that's you know that's all it's ever about really did I hear a story and I I don't know if this was I think it was maybe from Dylan, maybe, and he was talking about that you like you ran and got somebody a strap or something. Yeah, that's a great story, actually. The, yeah. So we finished. And you playing. couldn't get back in the bar, so you're like, yeah, no, okay. So we were playing, and that's what's cool is there's tons of bands, but it's all kind of happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like shotgun start in golf, where there's like band starts here, 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 and here, and then you might be the third band over here. But you know some people that are the second band over here. Yeah. You met somebody the night before that's the, the last band over here. Yeah. So you're kind of trying to pinball around. So it was the last night there of the semifinals, which is Friday night. And um, we played. And then like right immediately after that, I kind of ran to um, see a Man of Fish band. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm standing there kind of on the side of the stage. And they're just ripping into it. And it's like the second to last song. And there's a guitar solo. And... Their guitar player, Jake Coivisto, uh, has strap breaks. And, you know, he's a professional. He just keeps going, and it's almost, like, even more awesome. I yeah. didn't know how it could get to that point, because he's up there ripping, and everybody's loving it. 
and then it, it happens and he just keeps going and um, Adam Watson looks at me and he's like we need a guitar strap and so I'm like ah I have one but it was at the club we just played at and I don't really ever wear cowboy boots but I got cowboy boots on and there's you know like red brick it's not paved right. and so I come like ah all this energy and I come out the door and I run down the street it's maybe like two three blocks maybe not that far but yeah. maybe like two blocks and uh, I get down there and like that club that we played at there's another band so it's crowded and I'm trying to find my my guitars and I get my guitars kiss my wife run out run back down Beale Street get inside right as they're finishing that same song mm -hmm. give him the guitar strap so they were able to do one more song yeah but I just remember being like whoa what just happened yeah how did I not fall <laughs> as I was just sprinting I'm sure it had a couple beers after yeah that too. but that was cool because you had two Two different, you know, KC representing KC bands yeah. down there yeah. playing, and that, and you guys knew that that was obviously a really important, you know, kind of moment. For yeah, I mean, you would just hope that if you knew somebody, yeah, they would be willing to do the same sure, thing. And I'm, sure. I'm sure anybody of, right. in that group would have done the same thing for me had they had a strap somewhere nearby. You know, right. like at that point, I I remember looking at like uh, a gentleman next to me, and I was like, "Do you have a strap?" And he looked at me like, no, buddy, like, I obviously don't just carry right. the tar straps. Uh, and that's when I was like, all right, I guess I'm just going to run down the street and get it. I don't so, have one on my bat belt. Yeah. I call you nerd <laughs> guitar players. I just yeah, remember yeah. the panic. I was like, do you have one? And, yeah. Nope. Sorry. That's funny. He was saying, I, I think this was, I don't know if it was Dylan or not who, who was telling me the story, but they were saying that that he finally got it on and then like, immediately after he got it on there was like a guitar solo and he just like just went in you know i mean it just, <laughs> yeah. and, like, and it was just insane and yeah. i remember just catching my breath because yeah was right out of breath <laughs> and I, again i was like dressed up more than i ever am right boots and stuff on yeah that last thing i'll say i guess is that that's that's one thing that a lot of people don't worry about is what we're wearing you know, I mean, we're we're sitting here worried about yeah. our playing and and yeah. maybe talking to the audience, but we're we're you know getting up there like freaking bums, you know, and and we we don't ever think about stuff so like that. The Beatles, you know, they stopped wearing leather jackets and leather pants and put yeah. on those French suits, and then mm -hmm. changed the world. So, yeah, man. Well, uh, yeah, I don't know, and that's uh, nobody knows, Rob. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Um, again, uh. Old number fives, playing, fives. playing out around town and doing all sorts of cool stuff. A very, very, very good band. You guys should uh, go go check them out. And um, yeah, I don't know. There you go, um, Brock Alexander. Thank you, Rob. Thanks for coming. I man. appreciate it. Thank you. Yep, yep, yep. Um, yeah, we'll be uh, back next time talking about uh, more more music stuff. Whatever, whatever we feel like. So crazy um, chest hair. Medallions, <laughs> anything. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, get out of here. We'll see you later. Bye. <laughs>